0: The realization of our oneness with all that is requires that we fully love our lives, which includes loving the entirety of existence. Only then can we perceive the total indivisibility of life, for we are holding nothing outside of our love, including money. Our guest today explains that when we see through the eyes of oneness, we recognize that each of us is all of life experiencing itself from a different angle. All is connected, all is one, and everyone and everything is included. Loving our lives is a direct path for realizing our divinity and in loving our lives fully we gain the ability to create a loving world for all. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I bring back our guest, Jeff Vander He is a quiet spiritual teacher, a way shower of enlightened enterprise, and a trusted advisor committed to co-creating a society filled with awakened people, communities, and organizations. During these times of disruption and great opportunity, Jeff sees through the complexity to the illumined possibilities. He delights in empowering people to find their way. As a spiritual guide, Jeff assists mentees in developing their own source connection and capability And capacities, I always want to say capabilities, but capacities for awakened living. In his coaching and consulting practice, he works with the technologies of higher consciousness to bring forth clarity, love, and support for initiatives that are in service to true nature. Jeff is a member of the Evolutionary Circles, the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, and the Global Compassion Council of the charter for compassion international he's a co-founder of sourcing the way enlightening journeys and expeditions and the consciousness of money we're going to tie all those things together today in our conversation he also serves as a board of director for the alliance for the earth garden of light and source of synergy foundation welcome back jeff
1: thank you julie i love and cherish our conversations
0: oh thank you i do too i was delighting in it this morning as i was preparing and just thinking of this there's just um this let me come up with the right word um preciousness in the quality of your voice like in the quality of the sound of your voice and in the essence of what comes through your voice from this higher frequency this this whole inclusive place of love so it's just so delightful to be in your presence and I trust that all of our listeners feel the same just listening to your voice it wouldn't matter what words came out of your mouth Jeff you just emanate this voice of love so yummy thank you
1: Thank you. I'm I'm deeply touched by your words. Thank you again.
0: You're welcome. And Jeff, I want to start. This is we're gonna. I want to start with a sentence. It's kind of broad. Then I'm gonna kind of dive into this idea of love that you write about, which is is a really important piece, and then expand into that its meaning as the super organism that we are that we're remembering who we are and that we're consciously building to move toward that direction from where we've been as a species so it's this evolutionary process of the super organism remembering itself seeing itself as whole but then bring in the idea of money and i think this is going to be fascinating journey for our listeners of love and mo- and money and creating the super organism recognizing and remembering it because what you bring with the idea of money is perhaps something different than our listeners are used to. So we're gonna journey that way, stick with us if you're listening, but I wanna begin with this beautiful sentence you wrote. Our mission is to call forth a healed, awakened, peaceful and absolutely benevolent world in which all beings are free to express their true nature in networks of mutual support and flourishing so i love this invitation jeff and there's a lot packed into this sentence but it kind of is like this introduction to where we're going today so there are two pieces that i really would love to hear you expand on first calling forth the world And I'll just presence those words again, healed, awakened, peaceful, and absolutely benevolent. I love that. So calling forth the world and then this idea of networks of mutual support, because it kind of outlines this idea that we already are this superorganism. Let's begin to remember and become conscious of it. So, Jeff, I'll let you begin there.
1: Fabulous. Well, this is the time for our awakened potential, which has always been present. Our potential has always been here, in a sense, waiting for us to call it forth. And humanity, all of us, in one way or another, have been running a very interesting experiment involving the the sense of being separate from one another, of being separate from our source, of being separate from mother nature, interesting, but ultimately not a very fruitful experiment. So what it has produced, the learning of the past however many hundred years or millennia, depending how we want to count, uh, is the recognition that it doesn't work. It doesn't work to imagine that the universe is dead matter, that uh, we can therefore dominate our natural environment, that we can dominate one another because we can develop some bad habits around power and the the abuse of the the very beingness that we're all endowed with. And so bit by bit, and now pretty quickly, we are collectively waking up to um, to the the fruits or or non-fruits of the experiment of separation. So this is a perfect time to run a very different experiment which involves selecting the correct premise, the correct first principle, which is there could never be separation. We could never be separate from one another, from mother nature, from, from the planet, the universe, God. So there is, there is, I want to say, an absolute oneness in that it's inviolate. We can only imagine otherwise, but the fantasy, the delusion doesn't work. It produces a nightmare and eventually we wake up and we're waking up for sure. So in a sense, the calling forth has already happened from the the deeper dimensions of our being. And we have the opportunity to consciously participate in the calling forth because we can evoke even more fully the awakened potential that has always been. And then as we consciously... Connect with the impulse of life that animates us and always has, because all of it, all of the universe is alive, is aliveness itself. As we consciously connect with that and we appreciate the countless reflections of our own nature, of our own self, we can then, in a sense, collaborate with ourselves in networks of support. And this pandemic time that we've been in now for almost a year has really brought into the foreground. The need for us to come together, to work together, to cooperate, even as we seem to be more distant from one another physically, spiritually, emotionally, I can feel that we're drawing closer together. And there are many examples at the grassroots level of people supporting one another. And so the circumstances of these times, as well as the, the spiritual <laughs> insights of non-separation, are all conspiring, if you will, to uh, to bring us together in um, in a shared, true understanding of what humanity really is.
0: Mm. When you, you exclaimed, there could never be separation. It's like um, really this um, dramatic declaration of truth that when we embody that, It's kind of like we just naturally experience the universe as aliveness, as alive. You write about um, that we do have the universe within us. I'm going to let you expand on that much more here. I'm going to invite you to do that because it's like there could be no separation. And if we really truly understand that, we begin to see ourselves and the universe that's within and more of this intimate relationship with all life. Can you expand on that idea?
1: Happily. Well, one of my favorite quotes is start anywhere, follow it everywhere. And when it's all one, we can do precisely that. So the, the insight of non-separation then leads naturally, and even logically. You can invite our analytical mind to participate in this process to the conclusion that, wow, I'm really everything I see. Everything I see is me. The totality, the oneness, the universe, the, the one song of creation is me. And this is not a grandiosity, this is not an ego claim of specialness, which is a form of separation. And it doesn't work, which we've discovered uh, in the great experiment. And so there's a knowing now, and then there's the possibility of relaxation into, so uh, relaxing into um, a kind of doubtlessness. There's no doubt anymore. And so all the energy that went into, like, what if, what if the universe isn't a friendly place, all that is liberated and available to us. Uh, It's a a resource that we can use, and there's only one way to use it, which is to express love. So so we are one with the universe because oneness is de facto. And uh, then there's this notion, something happens, actually, when we get that. It's sort of like we pop out of of a frame, it's a very vast frame, the frame in which oneness is seen as the ultimate. Uh, so I'm going to introduce a new teaching here, which I call sourceness. Something happens when we can, in some way, you could say in our heart, hold the whole, hold the oneness, hold the all. We become a vaster container, a space beyond space and time, beyond all notions. Uh, So this oceanic primordial presence, perhaps, within which the totality of creation arises. I would even say the totality of manifestation and the unmanifest. We're beyond everything that we could ever point to. We're we're this vast space within which it all happens. So in that sense, the oneness is within us. The universe is within us. And one of my favorite Eastern teachers, Nisargadatta, had a conversation with the student and the student asked some complicated question. And Nisargadatta's response was, uh, is the universe in you or are you in the universe? Uh, the answer to that question determines the full extent of your difficulty. And as usual, I'm paraphrasing. So if we hold that we're within the universe, we're small, and uh, we have the experiences of smallness and and the fear because there's a natural sense of needing to defend ourselves against everything else out there that could be scary and dangerous. But when the universe is within us, it's a very different... I want to say it's a very different um, story. It's a very different sense and experience. And there's great ease and there's great love because now we can understand what it means to so love the world that we give ourselves to it uh, and we embody within creation. And we embody so as to give love in myriad ways, actually uncountably many ways. Uh, And every moment is a new opportunity and a new instance of love giving love to love.
0: Jeff, you said something uh, in... In talking about this example, I think it's a really um, fresh way for us to understand the illusion of separation versus this oneness with that idea that if we're within the universe, we see ourselves as separate. We're a separate part, you know, we're this piece. But if we see the universe within us, we understand. And this visceral experience um, an embodiment of our oneness. So thanks for that phrase, because that's really brilliant in helping us shift, even from the fear to love peace. because this is a difficult thing for those who are still in a consciousness of separation. There's fear, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of fear, but to love mm-hmm. our lives thoroughly as that love and and everything and everyone that's within it is a very different pathway. It's it's almost like a, a whole new portal for us to move towards. So even those who are listening, you know, we're surrounded by those who have no awareness that they're in the consciousness of separation. So it, it, it does become this... Um, it's, it's almost a prescription and a pathway here for us that when we can begin to speak this new language of the universes within us, we've heard spiritual teachers say that for so long, but really to embody it, then we move into this love that you're talking about. And to love our lives, you say, you say to love our lives, loving our lives, the life circumstances begin to reflect back so yes. much more. Say more about that. Like, as we begin to really love everything, and then I'll have you coach me on a particular element of that. But to love our lives is to really say yes. Say yes to everything. Say yes to the loving. To s- Even saying yes to the force of love itself. But what does it mean to really love our lives?
1: Well, it's a practice. And we have opportunities every day to choose how we respond to situations and we can find so many things about life that that we might not prefer uh, that that we might wish were different and i'm not going to make that wrong you know preferences arise wishes arise and how we then relate to the circumstance uh, is what's important because We we can condemn, and that's what we're doing when we say this should not be so, or we can surrender and say, well, this is what is, and I'm going to love it as an experiment. Again, I'm a bit of a scientist. I love to run experiments. What happens when I say, well, I could condemn, but I know that doesn't work. I've learned over decades that doesn't lead to satisfactory outcomes, so I'm going to choose love instead. And... What is discovered empirically, again, using scientific method is when we choose to respond in a loving way by accepting, by embracing, possibly not condoning. There are circumstances where we know this isn't, this isn't in alignment with how life is moving. So we don't, we don't give energy to what doesn't work, but nor do we give energy by fighting it, because that's another way to give energy. So we relax um, and we, we accept what is. Byron Katie talks about loving what is. Now... What we learn from doing this repeatedly is that our life situations evolve, and I can't explain how it works other than that it works. At some point, maybe there's some technical sounding explanation for, you know, when you love, this happens in your spiritual heart and so on. We don't really need that. The point is that it works. So when somebody who is challenging, let's get a little bit more concrete, somebody who is challenging enters my awareness, um, I, I might still get a little bit activated. There could be a little charge or energy that arises, which is perfect because if it's anywhere in the oneness, it's in me. So to pretend that the Jeff guy is completely impervious to, uh, emotion or, um, even triggering, uh, because it's in the oneness, it's in me. So I allowed that and I don't fight that. And I don't put me or anyone else on a pedestal. So emotion arises. There's an opportunity in that moment to pause. And in the pause, powerful work happens. Powerful consciousness is made available that can then support us in making a conscious choice to respond in the most loving way. And I say the most loving way because there are countless ways we could respond. Having the intention to respond with love, is already, I wanna say it's good enough. And then we'll respond to the best of our abilities with compassion, with understanding, with acceptance. Again, maybe not condoning what clearly doesn't work. Um, And then that charge, that triggering, that emotion, maybe that trauma that's even stored physically in the body is released a little bit more. So as we do this practice of loving, whatever we encounter, whoever we encounter, who, whatever situations, um, something is shed each time, that that energy, that weight we've been carrying for so long, and then we feel lighter. We feel lighter. And because this is a in, in teaching, it's not a new teaching, but because life is mirroring back to us our own inner state, and our inner state is more light and more loving and more whole, then our experience of life is lighter, so less heaviness, less sense of, of, of being weighed down by circumstances is more loving. So, so people seem to behave in more loving ways in that reflection that life is. And I want to say pretty much in all ways, we feel more satisfaction and fulfillment, and it's not too good to be true. We do have to work for it a bit, uh, to lift ourselves out of the unloving patterns, but as we practice, it becomes automatic. And we discover that the universe is an incredibly friendly place as soon as we're friendly in our own hearts.
0: Mm. And I, oh, pause, gorgeous. You know, the piece here of um, the loving and then not giving energy to what doesn't work. It's like, um, a lot of people will say a spiritual bypass, and this isn't a spiritual bypass of not giving energy to what works, but it's not, um, I, I wonder if you could just expand just a little bit more on moving toward love and really seeing all of these circumstances that are coming to us from the benevolent universe that loves and cares for us as a whole, um, that we're attracting these pieces. And when we recognize that something isn't working, isn't in that highest expression, how do we just step aside and allow that to transform without it being oppositional? What does it mean to not give energy to that which isn't working?
1: Great. Well, it's certainly not a spiritual bypass because the technology of it is to be with it. So to actually recognize, ah, here we have a situation where where somebody is angry and saying possibly hateful things, and and maybe they're on TV saying hateful things that um, affect millions of people in various ways. And so, I'll I'll say that I I witness, and then the work is in non-rejection. Um, Actually, I would say the way I do it is I I listen for, is there any truth anywhere in this? Because there's always some grain of truth in everything, even the stuff we don't like. And it's often a pointer to something that we're missing. So if millions of people feel marginalized and a representative of a community that has felt marginalized stands up and says hateful things, well, maybe that's a call for us to pay attention to the ways in which we have ignored our brothers and sisters. Again, not condoning the hateful speech. Absolutely not. But, oh, okay. This is what we get when we don't listen to one another. All right. So then in my heart, I make a commitment. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen even to this person. And I know something happens in consciousness. It's not only for my benefit. It's for the benefit of all beings. Something is released. And then maybe this person shows up differently in the future. but it's not a bypass it's it's very active and it takes it takes real discipline not to respond in kind not to be triggered into the polarity of division and animosity
0: yeah i love that that's a perfect example jeff thank you it, even the the um The hate speech inviting you to listen more. And so the question that you said, is there any truth anywhere in this, is a really beautiful guiding um, compass for us, like to really look deeper at that. I, I appreciate the deepening into it and being with it and witnessing and yet not responding in kind, right? There's the brilliance in that one. We're going to go to break, and I just want to read one of your quotes, a little um, message from you before we transition into money, bringing the love and money conversation together right after the break. So, Jeff, you wrote gorgeous here. The healed and transformed world is here. It is emerging, growing, and unfolding according to a very specific process, guided by the wisdom and intelligence of life itself. We can participate consciously in this process by continuing to love our lives and one another. Along the way, we can expect to see a flowering of kindness and compassion as people find themselves moved by an unfamiliar force that has been activated within them. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll have so much more with the brilliant and loving, kind Jeff Vanderclute. We'll be right back.
1: I don't believe it. My savings are gone, they're gone! You're kidding. Nope, they're gone, they're gone, gone! Okay, all right, think about it. Where did you have them last? I remember I was home, then I took them, and then I spent them on that vacation to Aruba. Then I bought this miniature suit of armor I saw in the in-flight magazine. And that's the last you saw of your savings? Yes. This is so weird. I know, right? Weird? Uh, not really. Not saving now means no money later. You'd be surprised how quickly a
0: little money from every paycheck can really add up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org.
1: The armor is cool, though. Oops. I think I broke its gauntlet. You broke my favorite part. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Begin by finding a comfortable, relaxed position. Let out whatever stress is in your body. It could be from the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes. Or when you donated her private diary to the public library. Or when you thought chaperoning the school dance meant actually dancing in the school dance. Whatever it is, let it go. The fire you started with that experimental dinner, let it go. The time you drove away from the gas pump, with the gas pump, let it go. Three, very relaxed. Two, there you go. One. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute
1: in her indifference to commands. A
0: strong-willed feline.
1: Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person.
0: (coughs) The pitch on her purring is simply
1: perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
0: Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There are different ways you can do that, and you can check those out at juliecrawl.com. I'm here today with Jeff Vanderkloot. If you want to learn more about Jeff, what he's up to, and how to work with him, go to jeffvandercloot.com. And I'm going to spell the last name for you so you make sure you have that. Jeff Vanderkloot. V-A-N-D-E-R-C-L-U-T-E dot com. Jeff, that was yummy. In the first half of the show, you invited us into this space of love and that the universe is within us. There could be no separation. There could never be separation. And all the universe is alive and that aliveness itself is within us. So there's some really important pieces here as we introduce this topic of money. Because most uh, m- most of the teachers of money from the new age era began talking about energy, money as energy, you know, described as energy and that it's part of the circulatory system. It's circulation. And we think of money as circulation. And yet you offer us a unique new perspective that I think fits really good with a super organism that's waking to itself um like we've been talking about so you liken money to the connective tissue the subtle benevolent connection tissue of life that creates a loving gentle opening in our awareness here this is a very different kind of um, understanding of money not just an energy or a tool or a something outside of ourselves can you speak more about the connective tissue and what that really means in its fullness.
1: Yes. Well, I want to honor the teachings of money as energy, because that is certainly true. And it's, it's a part of an even richer picture that, that we can now see. So step-by-step we went from money is the root of all evil or the love of money is the root of all evil and various ideas that, uh, again, haven't, in the final analysis, served us very well. Um, may have had a role to play at the time, so I honor even that. But where we are now, having realized separation is impossible. It's it's really all love, ultimately what we see. And if, if that isn't a cliche, I don't know what is, but never has there been a truer statement. So love, giving love to love. And what is the, if you will, structure of that? What holds it all together? Well, that's love, too. And we need a little bit more specific vocabulary. If we say everything is love, it's, it's somewhat hard to communicate. So then we bring in other words, other phrases, other definitions. So there's a structure to the experience of life. Um, there are people, there's a planet, there's a universe. Uh, and it's all woven together by this subtle force of love, yes, which we can liken to a kind of connective tissue, so within the human body. Um, There's connective tissue that holds us together. It's extremely important. And similarly in society, what holds us together? What maintains relationship? What keeps us connected and interacting in loving ways? Well, think about it. Uh, How do we connect? How many times a day um, with other people, with organizations? We buy things, we sell things, we we lend money. borrow money, we use money, we invest money, and in a sense, it's weaving us through our interactions, which require that we become more and more conscious as well. So every time we're spending money, well, we could be somewhat unconscious about it, and that doesn't work, we find, but when we pay attention, when we bring the energy of love uh, to giving of ourselves and our resources financially and in other ways, then um, that actually does work really well. And, and there's the experience of, of it coming back to us. So, so the connective tissue, I want to say, is actually very real. Um, we can't live in this society without some version of money. Now, people might say, hey, this form of money that we've got, uh, it doesn't work very well, and I would agree. Um, our forms of money are evolving, and what money really is—the essence of it, the the love that's inherent in it—that um, is, uh, I wanted to say eternal. That's the word that comes to me. And so, so honoring this this eternal uh, web of life and the role of money in maintaining our uh, connection with one another and helping us to become more conscious as we interact through our financial transactions, uh, it's not only an energy. There must be some intelligence, some aliveness. I would even say some divine agency that's operating through money to help us see more and more and more of uh, who and what we really are.
0: Mm, Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that, there's an aliveness, that that there's money as alive, as a living force itself and has a divine agency. Can you say more about the aliveness piece? And I think it makes complete sense when we say all of the universe is alive and the universe is within that we begin to see. The life force within energy as divine and benevolent, um, or within money—I mean, not energy—but we we began to really experience the benevolence of it more and I just want to presence before you say the aliveness Um, you began by saying the love of money is the root of all evil and we're not talking about the love of money in that way which is really ironic that you brought this in and brought us into a new kind of love of money that is good and benevolent and real so talk more about the aliveness Jeff and that divine agency.
1: Well, when oneness is, and clearly life is, then there's no part of the oneness, there's no part of experience, there's no part of manifestation that isn't alive. That would be separation. Death, then, is clearly seen as being unreal. Yes, transformation occurs. Okay, so it's all alive. That means money, which we are... Fundamentally, one with, and this is a great practice as well. Whatever within us seeks to separate from money because of some of those old ideas that we've mentioned, uh, that too can be seen and loved using the processes from the first half of this call. We can be, we can be with our our disdain for money, our tendency to separate from it that we may have inherited from how many countless generations. So, all right, money. We are one with it. We are alive. Money is alive. It, it's sort of challenging to speak about these things when you're really in the oneness paradigm because yeah. the distinctions become a bit blurry and tend to fall away. But then when our tendency to doubt falls away and we just know that money is alive, like we get to that pretty quickly um, on this path. When we know that money is alive and therefore it has intelligence. Um, and life is good. We, we've discovered now, after the first half of this call, we've discovered that life is good, the universe is friendly. That was Einstein's big question. Is the universe friendly or not? It is friendly. And when we're friendly and we're kind, the universe shows us our own kindness. And money is one of the ways that happens. I have found that when I give generously, people are generous towards me. Life is generous towards me sometimes in the same form meaning financially and oftentimes in other forms for the last 10 years i've been running the experiment of um, well trusting life trusting that there will always be enough trusting that there will always be enough money and at the beginning of those 10 years i was a lot less conscious i was a lot less awake than i am now and you know maybe there's yet a long way for me to go i guess we'll find out but i'm uh, more awake than i was then and i look back and i'm a little bit shocked at um, my disregard for money. I I valued very highly the life of a monk trying to make it without interacting uh, financially in the world, which of course was impossible. Um, But even then, even then there was always enough. Money did not shun me. Even though I was shunning money, money did not uh, avoid me. And I was always able to pay my bills and, and move through the world. Now, the situation is very different. I've embraced money. I started that a few years ago and really practicing loving money and uh, rewriting those those old ideas. And to say the love of money, this isn't avarice. This isn't how can I hoard for myself uh, at the expense of others. It is like truly loving the essence of life and one aspect of life is is the the movement, the movement of what we value the movement of experiences. And, and money is a mediator, uh, is a medium for, for that, and, and more. So, so as I've loved money, money has loved me, and I, I seem to have more of it. Um, and that gives me more opportunities to be generous, and the virtuous circle goes round and round. Um, and I know that this way of living, which is deeply rooted in trusting life and knowing that it's benevolent, and knowing that um, money as an aspect of life is also benevolent and it has our backs. Like if we really see that money has our backs, like that's 180 degrees from how so many people perceive money right now. But when we, when we know that life then mirrors, the great mirror of life reflects back to us our knowing, oh, and we see and we experience over and over again. Oh, money works. Money works on our behalf. Now, the forms of money are going to need to evolve because the artificial premises of scarcity and competition and winners and losers don't work. Um, Another interesting experiment that hasn't really worked out that well. So new forms of money are coming uh, that are more inclusive and actually unlimited, interestingly enough. Um, So scarcity, the idea of scarcity and limitation and finitude Uh, Is something that we're we're spiritually evolving beyond. And then our forms of money will reflect uh, our new level of consciousness, and our societies will work better. I talk about a true economy, which is an expression of this new way of being with money. And it may take some decades for that to emerge, but we're going to experience um, incrementally the results of this new belief system. And it's not just a belief, it's actually a knowing, because it's quickly confirmed that when we love money, it loves us back. Um, the results of, uh, of these many um, opportunities to love money and, and ultimately love ourselves are going to accumulate into um, new structures of, um, of commerce and, I want to say, healthcare. All the sectors of society are going to be transformed as we change our relationship with money.
0: Yeah, the, the piece that... I'm hearing really clearly in your words today is that this that this loving money piece um, creates greater health in the super organism itself. It's like understanding it as connective tissue and this means of literally um, I, I go back to that circulation and that energy as well of, of really, um, loving money, it begins to love us back. It's like strengthening and creating um, a healthier collective immune system, creating a healthier bones and muscles that carry the super organism through this universe that we're, we're talking about. It's, it's almost like this love and money conversation really creates more optimal health for us as the oneness as the universe as the superorganism do you want to just expand on that if anything moves you in that idea that i share
1: yeah, well that's it's true and i found it quite curious that when i was listening for what sectors to name i quickly went to healthcare so yes there's a there's a fundamental connection between our our relationship, which is beyond a relationship, because if we're one with money, we are it. When we know it, when we know ourselves in this way, um, somehow our our body, our, our subtle body, our energy body, and also our physical body function better because, and this is coming to me just now, but our physical body is sort of like the, the condensation or, or even distillation of our beliefs about what we are. And so when we believe that we're separate, when we believe that money doesn't work and we don't have access to a better life, well, that shows up in our bodies physically and in other ways. So when we know that we are life, we have access to all of life, therefore, uh, we have access to the the services and the benefits of life, even though society may have some catching up to do to be a a truly just and uh, inclusive thriving place to live but we know in our bones we know deep within ourselves that hey um we've got everything we need and then the body's ability to heal itself kicks in so we don't actually need to go uh for the expensive medical interventions um at least not to the same extent i'm not going to say allopathic medicine is is anything other than wonderful because when you need it you need it but when we know our oneness we don't get to the point as frequently where we need some kind of surgical intervention the body has access to you could say the healing codes the information within the field of consciousness that is necessary to reprogram um, cellular functioning and there are there are examples of this i've heard Uh, i don't have direct knowledge but i've heard I'll say from reliable sources uh, that in Chinese medicine, when you don't have access to the specific herbs, you can connect with them energetically and receive the benefit. And in other traditions, people have survived for years without eating physical food, but there's an inner practice of receiving the nourishment from the energetic environment. And so um, we gain access to these subtler capacities. And I love your word capabilities as well. When, um, when we know our oneness, it just happens naturally. We become healthier and more whole automatically.
0: Mm. Thank you, Jeff. There's there's so much here that um, is just so nourishing itself. Just really listening to this conversation really nourishes us, just like imagining those herbs and and really. Understanding how that can nourish our bodies. I love that. Thank you so much. So there's a another quote I want to read to you because I want it's 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 about money, but it's kind of wrapping this up before we um, have to close our show today. There's kind of a well, I'm, there's a beauty in this that I really want to give you a moment to expand on. But I'm going to read the quote. It's a little bit long, but I think it's so important. You wrote. Money is a powerful teacher and an awakener of collective consciousness, wisdom, and capacities that can heal humanity and the planet. When we look beyond the distorted understandings that have been present in our cultures, we can see money as a force that loves us and is helping us to become more mature and able species with this awareness, we can partner even more skillfully with money to bring forth a flourishing and prosperous world for all. Money is a sacred ally. Okay, you know where I'm going with this. It really kind of summarized everything you said, but you you bring in these two ideas here that um, are really one that I would love to hear you give us the um your insight and awareness around this partner that we can partner more skillfully with money and that money is a sacred ally i think we've proven that in what we've spoken to today but how do we partner more skillfully with money to bring about this prosperous world that we've been talking about what is partnering mean? Because this brings us into the intimacy and the trust and the um, working relationships of money, not just thinking about it, but really having it be um, a partner.
1: Yes. Well, I would say we've come to a place where we know money to be a peer, to be an equal if you will. Um, and we also know that we're one with it. And so there are different levels and there are different ways of approaching what money really is. One way is to work with it as um, a partner. And the energy of money can do a lot of really great things, uh, philanthropy-wise. And um, anytime we use our money, we're we're actually investing love. And then that which we invest in grows. And so so money is... Is a way of extending our love into the world, and um, delivering love in specific packages that can be received. So yeah, it's it's a partner in that sense. Uh, we're working with money, and we can we can send money on missions to do good things. And money it's a two-way street. Money can report back to us. Hey, um, you know, pay more attention to me, uh, please. Uh, we need to maybe save a little bit or we need to, uh, you know, shift some investments around. And one way that we, we get the feedback is when, um, you know, things appear not to work, but before we get to the point of money having to deliver bad news, um, we can just simply have a a daily practice of connecting with money, even talking to money for some, this won't be strange for others. It'll be completely out there, but we can, um, Inwardly, have a conversation with money, and we can ask what it needs. And when we do that, that's a kind of expression of partnership where um, hey, we're we're sitting around having tea together, and then we get the ideas. and it can even take the form of money telling us what it needs us to do. and then and then money works better. We don't get to the the scenarios that um, you know have caused so much fear in the past, there isn't enough money, for instance, there is. Um, but we stay ahead of the curve by, saying in relationship with money um, and you know checking in and uh, and partnering to get things done. and also like in a good partnership, um, being open to feedback and and listening to uh, to the other person in this case money. Um, so there's that. and then in terms of being a sacred ally and a teacher, particularly as we are still in an awakening process and And given that money is an expression of divinity and profound intelligence and aliveness, the ways in which money hasn't worked so well, the forms of economy um, and, uh, you know, the financial interactions that are less than satisfying. And we look around and we see huge concentrations of wealth uh, and then vast oceans of poverty. You know, that's not working. So. You could say money is teaching us that our ideas about winners and losers and competition and worthiness being measured by how much money one has, like none of that works. So money's showing us what doesn't work, and it's painful. So a really good teacher can uh, dispense tough love, and so I would say we've we've received a lot of tough love through our um, economic systems and structures since at least the industrial revolution, but probably going way, way, way back. So it's hard to accept uh, tough love at times, but but now a lot of people have healthy relationships with money, at least people I know, and are developing new models for macroeconomy, not just how one person can have a better relationship with money, but how whole societies can have a, a new way of, exchanging that works a whole lot better. And I look forward to giving specific examples soon. I'm feeling um, um, the tug of confidentiality, but but know this, there are new, vastly new and more functional economic models beyond cryptocurrency. Uh, That's an interesting step we could talk about, but there are altogether new ideas um, that are coming in the next few years. So we have a lot to be hopeful for, and we can credit money with, uh, with delivering us these new systems. Where do the ideas come from? They come from the, the vast mind of the superorganism of, of the divine in all of us. And, and money is that too. So I want to reaffirm that money is a sacred ally, and there's a lot that we could unpack. We've only just scratched the surface, but hopefully this conversation has planted a few seeds for um, another, another worldview for money.
0: Yeah. Thank you, thank you for presencing that, Jeff, and um, really looking at the hope of what's yet to come. There is this beautiful emergence everywhere as we begin to really embody and express the oneness that we be. Um, I just wanna, in a minute or less, presence also the piece that I think is the secret sauce from everything that you just said. Um, In that quote, when we were talking about partnering and the sacred ally, Um, you wrote to bring forth the flourishing and prosperous world for all. I think that the the secret sauce is the for all piece that we have to begin to think for all. We can't just think for me. And that's the shift in that embodiment that we're talking about. Do you want to just say anything in 30 seconds or less about the for all?
1: Well, a true solution we discover... Has to be a solution for all. It can't be a solution for a part, or we're back in the separation mindset. So when we listen for and we have to go deep within sometimes to really access that wisdom, that is the wisdom of the whole, then we can bring forth that wisdom and we can share it out into the world. And we don't necessarily have to know intellectually exactly how it's going to happen, but we can know that that wisdom, and that love from wholeness itself, when it expresses, is flourishing for all. Mm.
0: And speaking of flourishing for all, thank you, Jeff, for coming back next week. We are going to muse into the first anniversary of COVID when you and I did our show on COVID a year ago. And again, so much um, to say about that. So thank you for coming back. I just want to let our listeners know there's more next week as well. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you, Julie. And I want to leave you with words from Jeff here. Loving our own lives and acting on this love, we bless the whole of life throughout time and space. And the whole of life blesses us back. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.